Hello and welcome to Game and Watch with Aaron and James, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today for our 50th episode, this is uh this is a bit of an anniversary for us. For this special episode, we are talking about uh the game The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Developed and published by Nintendo uh, and released in November of 1998. Congratulations to you. Oh, you beat me to it. Congratulations. We did it. You made it to 50 episodes. Yeah, so did you. I did. We really limped over that finish line. We really did. And no one's definitely, especially not me, uh, no one is paying attention to the fact that we actually have more than 50 episodes. Um, this is a two-part episode, though. We are going yes. to cover this game in two parts. This isn't going to be like six hours. Um, I feel like I could have maybe spent six hours on this game like 10 years ago, perhaps. But, you know, we've got places to be. And people to love. And people to love. Um, but we should note that uh, we picked this game for our 50th episode because this is a very special game for both of us. We'll get to that when we talk about our history with the games. But um, we wanted to do something, uh, yeah, something special to celebrate 50 episodes. So this game is very high on both of our personal lists of all-time games. So we felt it was appropriate. Yes. Although, although it is, I don't think I have a single Zelda game in my top 10 favorite games ever. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And this is like, I don't want to start things off on a sour note because I have a lot of amazing things to say about this game. It And maybe it's because this is such a critically acclaimed game and we've kind of gone our entire youth, youths, teenage lives and adult lives hearing about how great this game is and how much everyone loves it. So it's possible that I'm tired of that, but I think that this isn't even the best Zelda game. No, it's not. And it's it's weird having the, the journey to get to believing that because there certainly was a time where I was like, this is this is the best Zelda game. There were I many there Zelda games I played where, where I was like, well, I mean, I mean, talking about beyond after when you had other things later on right. to compare it to like True. Twilight Princess, compare that to Ocarina of Time, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the CDI games. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know about you, but I I think I might have played almost every release of this game. Every time it was released for something new, I think I've replayed them all. And so let, I'll start with the with the original Nintendo 64 release. I don't think I actually I didn't beat the game on Nintendo 64 first. I beat it. I played it first on Nintendo 64, but I didn't have one then. I beat it on an emulator on PC. And that was my first experience completing this game. And then just out of curiosity, yeah. were you using um, keyboard controls? How did that work through the computer? I, I think I've done it both ways. Um, okay. I don't remember what I did first, but I know I've done both. Yeah. Okay. And just because this would be a very, uh, it would take, there would be a learning curve, I would think. It, it's tough. And I probably yeah. didn't even do everything in it. Yeah, but I have since played it on Nintendo 64, beaten it there. It was released um, for the GameCube twice, I believe. The first was a release of like the main version of the game with the Master Quest version of the game. Did you ever play Master Quest? 
I did. I actually, uh, I think I may have also played this on every possible release. Yeah. Uh, and because I had the GameCube disc that had the Master Quest, which I dabbled you, in. Do you remember cool. when it was released? Because there were two, this Ocarina of Time was released twice for, for GameCube. One was the Master Quest box. It was like red. It was like the top half. Then blue was the bottom half. It was like Zelda Ocarina of Time, Zelda yeah. Ocarina of Time, Master's Quest. And then there was a gold box that was released later that had Majora's Mask on it. And I think it had older Zeldas on it also. One I of those was released. The Master Quest one. If you pre-ordered like Wind Waker or something like that. I don't recall how else it was. I think it, I think the one I had the Master Quest one where it was the original Ocarina of Time uh, and Master Quest. I think that was a pre-order for Wind Waker because I remember okay. I definitely had it, um, and I also had Wind Waker, and I'm pretty sure I pre-ordered Wind Waker. I'm pretty sure I bought my GameCube basically for Smash Brothers and Wind Waker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Master Quest is really interesting, and it's something that I almost wish I had been better prepared to talk about here. I was reading through before we started recording, like reading through the different changes that Master Quest made. I believe I beat Master Quest. I just don't remember the changes being as extensive as this article claims. You know, they're they're talking about like a lot of the game is mirrored, if not all the game. I remember that. I remember puzzles being different. I remember encountering enemies where you might not have normally seen them. Like I think Lizalfos, Lizalfos, I don't know how to pronounce that are like in the bottom of um, the water temple and you have to use like Din's fire to open doors in the water temple, which is not something that was done before. Hmm. But what I don't remember is I think, I guess the gold skull quest, like that was harder to complete. You get double damage. I don't remember that either. So Uh, I believe the game is also potentially unwinnable. Like there's finite amounts of keys and you can carry keys between dungeons and like screw things up that way. Uh, Is that correct? I, I do remember that. And it's possible that I used a guide to beat it for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Going on, going on uh, game and all that. But anyway, I, I played it on that. I, I played the, the gold box release for it. And then I played, I'm sure I bought it and played it on Wii virtual console. And then Ocarina of Time uh, on 3DS. And then, and then and then Switch. And then oh Switch, yeah, yes. yeah. That's that's what I should say. Is I, I this for this most recent time I played it on my Switch. I kind of had set out to use my wireless Nintendo 64 Switch controller and play it like that. I did that for a little bit, and then I got too into using it handheld. I, I it was just so much fun to play the game handheld. Which I could have just done with the 3DS, I guess. But I'm okay having done that because you did not play the N64 version, and I did. And so we can talk about our kind of thoughts about that. But I guess before you talk about your experience with the game, I'll just summarize by saying I think the 3DS is the definitive way to play the game. I probably will never really want to play the game any other way unless they completely remake it or something. And my experience with the game has always been it's great. Um, I've never really wavered from that. I, I'm harder on the game now than I ever have been. Part of that is just due to having a lot of other gaming experiences and a lot of things to compare it to, including other Zelda games. Part of it is maybe I'm jaded. Part of it is just hearing so much <laughs> about the game. Um, again, like I said, maybe I'm sick of it. But all in all, 
this is a great game. I'm probably going to be hard on it, but you know, it's a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I first experienced the game close to when it came out in 1998. I remember for Christmas of 1998, uh, the next month, uh, I was very excited and I had been receiving hints that I may receive the new Zelda, which I did. And um, for those who don't remember and or were not alive, uh, it came in a gold box and the actual cartridge itself for the first run of uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time cartridges were in fact gold. <clears throat> gold, actual gold. You can sell them actual for a million dollars. <laughs> yes. No, gold colored. <laughs> um, but I remember I was so excited. I opened it on Christmas Eve when we were opening presents. Uh, and I wanted to put it in the Nintendo 64 and play it right away. Uh, but my brother got it for me and he said I could only play it after he finished it. Wow. Yeah. Brothers for yeah. you. Brothers for you. Uh, so I had to kind of suffer uh, and wait to be able to play Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Also, at the time, I was a little brother, obviously, and uh, little brothers watched their older brothers play video games. But I remember I wasn't going to watch him play Zelda. I remember I did not. I wanted the game to be a fresh experience for me. It was my game. It was my Christmas gift. So I I didn't watch him play it. I waited uh, until it was my turn. And then the game just completely sucked me in. Uh, I had played Zelda 1 and Zelda 2 quite extensively as a little kid. We had an NES growing up, just a regular Nintendo, and we had Zelda 1 and Zelda 2 and just a smattering of games. But I remember from the age of like four on just playing Zelda 1, wandering around the maps, um, playing through the dungeons, never beating the game because it's too kind of weird and esoteric and hard um, and hard and difficult. But I remember getting far and like writing down passwords and codes and things like that and really loving it and just the sense of getting lost. Zelda 2 I played, but I wasn't super into. So I was prepared. I was like ready for Ocarina of Time when it came out um, as like a fan of Zelda. And it blew me away. Um, I think I was thinking about it today uh, in preparation for the episode, but I think Zelda. Yeah. Uh, but I think Zelda Ocarina of Time is the game I've completed most out of maybe any game. Ah, I see. Um, okay. Yeah, because I I completed it as a kid for sure on the Nintendo 64. And I remember completing it maybe like three or four times um, as a kid. I completed it on the GameCube. Um, didn't do the Master Quest, but completed it there. Played it on the 3DS multiple times, probably like three times or so. Um, played it for this playthrough. Um, I have not played the the Switch version, but yeah, I played this game for pretty much every system it come it has come out for. I've finished it many, many times. I'm typically not a completionist with it, but I have done completionist runs, I think once or twice at some point. I know I did when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. But um the transition from 2D Zelda to this was completely mind-blowing and I, I don't think you can kind of overstate what a big deal the Nintendo 64 in general was when it came out yeah. and how it evolved Zelda and especially Mario, those two franchises into 3D. I also never had a Super Nintendo, so I didn't play Zelda A Link to the Past until much later. Um, I think if you look at Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time, there's a little more continuity between the two of them. Like, for example, multiple multiple level dungeons, right? That exists in Link to the Past. 
much in the same way it exists in Ocarina of Time, but in Ocarina of Time, it's in full 3D, whereas multiple level dungeons in A Link to the Past are 2D, but there's no multiple level dungeons in Zelda 1, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me to jump from Zelda 1 to Ocarina of Time was really um, a huge leap. But yeah, I, I think I'm rambling now, but my history with this game is extensive and positive, uh, and I've seen it in many incarnations. I would agree with you that the 3DS version is the go-to version, um, if only for the gyroscope aiming. Um, gyroscope yeah, aiming, seriously. the yeah, gyroscope aiming, everything, the slingshot, the you know bow and arrow. It's so much more intuitive and better than using the control stick, but. Um, and the graphics and the 3D effect and all that stuff. but And um, I don't even need the 3D effect anymore. No, I, I think it's no. worth it for the graphics. Just I was looking at screenshots, like comparisons, and it, it's just why go back to Nintendo 64 when you can play it on 3DS if you can? Um, I mean, the only other reason really is if you want to play it on your TV. If you're going to play handheld, don't play the Switch version. No. Play with 3DS if you have it. Um, well, and sorry, just to talk about the 3DS version a little bit more. Um, I think it does what great remakes should do, where instead of trying to redo everything and rebuild everything from the ground up, really all it does is try and bring the game as close to its original concept as possible. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the original concept art that came out with the game, um, the 3DS version looks just like that concept art. Um, that's what they were trying to do. They weren't trying to completely like reinvent the wheel with it, um, which I think is is a good mark on remakes. Yeah, and then we won't talk about Majora's Mask, but the things they did to Majora's Mask are just outstanding. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that, and I, I want you to speak a little bit more if if kind of inspiration comes uh, as we start talking about the plot of the game. If you want to, more comparisons between 2D and 3D Zelda would be awesome to hear from you, given yeah. that you had the experience beforehand. And I think I played Link's Awakening before this, but I just don't think I was in as, like, engrossed completely in Zelda in 2D Zelda to be able to have appreciated the differences when this came out. Granted, it was also my age. I mean, I think I played it this either, you know, soon after it came out, I think I played it in like 1999. Um, Um, Yeah. I I think something that we'll talk about, especially as we talk about the dungeons also is um, the fact that, and we alluded to this a little bit before we started recording, but this is such a confident product in basically every way. And the idea that this was the first Zelda game that made the transition to 3D and it is this complete and this confident and this well-crafted and well-reasoned in the decisions yeah. they made is is incredible to me. Um, well, yeah, once we even start talking about like inside the great Deku tree, like there will be things to talk <clears throat> about, about the way this game plays with space in a way yes. that none of the other Zelda games did. And the way that the, the dungeons grow in size. I remember like when you play 2D Zelda games, I mean, obviously the early dungeons are a lot simpler. The maps are simpler. It's easier to find your way. And then they just, as you kind of, the difficulty grows in the game, but as you get further and further in other dungeons, I mean, the size of the maps grow, the puzzles change, the enemies become a little bit more difficult. And that you really get a sense for that here. And while there's a level of verticality and there's a lot of 3D element to it, I one thing I was doing when I was playing this is imagining every room I was in top down. 
even mm. the ones where there is that verticality, like I, I'm going to use water temple as another example, you know, when you're um, hook shotting your way up those, like that waterfall uh, with the, where the stairs are kind of like sliding yeah. down, even rooms like that. I mean, there, and, and there's a lot of verticality to the, to the water temple in particular. So maybe that was a bad example, but I could just picture everything so vividly. Granted, some of it doesn't work. Uh, you can't translate Ocarina of Time to 2D very easily. But there's just a, the 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 layout of the map, the layout of like the way rooms look and kind of like, you know, especially if I came into a room with a block puzzle, right? There's been tons of 2D Zelda block puzzles um, or kill all the enemies in a room to get a treasure chest to appear. I mean, it it, it translates so well. And like you said, it, it's shocking that this was their first attempt. I mean, so many other developers could have failed at this. I mean, Nintendo is and always really has been just top tier in terms well, of getting this kind of stuff done. When they care this much about the, the, the IP that they care the most about, and they, they get it done. Um, and I mean, some people might be hearing this and thinking like, well, duh, it's Nintendo. Of course, they're not going to screw it up. But I'm thinking of the most recent Pokemon games, Scarlet and Violet, where oh you wouldn't think that they could screw that up. And they did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you never really know. It's tricky. Uh, uh, or they know, let Game Freak screw it up. Or they let Game Freak screw it up. But still, I mean, Nintendo has its hands on that. Um, For sure. But, but the idea being that, you know, this could have been a huge mess. And with hindsight, obviously, we know it's not. But if you think about that, just the trend, like, again, unless you were alive for it, because I know most of our listeners are 12, but um, <laughs> unless you were alive for it, like that transition from 2D gaming to 3D, like was so just pivotal and crazy. Yeah. Um, and this game came and kind of owned it. This and Mario 64 owned that transition in a way that a lot of franchises couldn't. And that's a good segue because Mario 64 yeah. is relevant. Um, so as we mentioned, I mean, this game is developed and published by Nintendo, uh, directed by five different people. I won't try to pronounce anyone's name, um, but a lot of them, especially one of them, has been a, a presence in, base, in Zelda from like the beginning. Um, this was produced by Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, the legendary Miyamoto, with music by the legendary Koji Kondo. And this was developed at the same time as Mario 64 with a staff of 200 people. It took two years to develop. Mario 64 took less time to develop um, and was obviously released earlier. Miyamoto had originally wanted this game to be first person, which why? Why? <laughs> why? I, I I maybe it's just the you know you get lost in the idea of you're finally making a 3D game for a console that can support it, like like creating a 3D like a huge 3D environment, and maybe he saw stuff like I don't know what what came out of like Doom and Quake. Yeah. And stuff yeah. like that, and was just like, wouldn't it be amazing to just be looking through someone's eyes? Like, and but wisely, he realized that wouldn't work, and it would have not really worked for me. No. Um, so this was this game was Nintendo's largest ever at the time. It was thirty two megabytes. Uh, the car, the development team was a little worried that a cartridge couldn't even hold it. This was you know at the time where Sony had started going off and doing you know CDs and. And Nintendo was being stubborn and still doing cartridges. And as a result of that, Nintendo didn't end up getting games like Final Fantasy VII. But, um, and this is a smaller game than Final Fantasy VII, that's for sure. But it's it, at the time, man, and, and I'm not talking about size, like megabytes. This game felt humongous. Enormous. Enormous. Having now played so many other Zelda games and other games in general and open world games, Holy shit, did this game feel small. 
to me while yeah, replaying yeah. this time. And every time I play it, I think I, it feels smaller and smaller. When I was a kid, I thought Hyrule Field was just enormous yes. and that I was going to have all these adventures journeying across it. And then now I've played Fallout 4 and yeah, it's right. just, it doesn't, yeah, it's not it, the same. I mentioned before that I will be hard on this game. I will, but please, you and anyone who's listening, know that it is, a lot of it is going to be coming from a place of like, I've played a lot of other games and I've seen how you do things better. I understand that there were limitations of many different kinds when this game came out. I think that at the same time, there were things that they could have and should have done differently and like at the time. But a lot of the, my criticisms will be like, well, obviously they couldn't have done that because it just would, the game would have been too big. Yeah. So, you know, I am going to be hard on the game, but yeah. Um, So this game was, you know, it was liked. <laughs> yeah. You can people, say people, people, people liked generally it. liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It, universal praise. Yeah, it's on many people's list, both, you know, casual gamers as well as like gamer publications. It's on many lists of the greatest games of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the what's the story? What what's Link doing? Yeah. So uh, like most Zelda games, you have a Link, you have a Ganon or in this case, Ganondorf. Do you you always name your character Link? I always name my character Link. Yeah. Was there ever a time you didn't? Uh, I named my character Zelda when I was a little kid um, because I knew he was Link, but I also decided to name the character Zelda, not realizing that that unlocks the Master Quest version of the original Legend of Zelda. What? You know about this, right? No, that's bullshit. I swear to God, if you enter your name as Zelda, it remixes the entire game and makes it harder. There's no way. That's not true. That that is true. That can't I, be true. How do you never, not know that? I mean, if I if I if I had ever learned that, I've since forgotten, and I've been alive for a long time, and I've loved this game for a long time. So it is very possible that I have heard this before, but I do not remember that at all. Um, the me, original version of the game. You're saying that if you put in Zelda, the game is harder. Yes, I, I just don't. I don't believe that. <laughs> it sounds made up. It sounds like a second grade. I'm not like, saying rumor. that you are a dirty, dirty liar, but um, I am also saying that you're a dirty, dirty liar. Here we liar. go. In The Legend of Zelda, entering the name Zelda results in the game starting on the second quest immediately. What? The second quest, yes. Really? My. Yeah. I. I, I again, it's possible that I heard that once before but i'm just gonna i'm shocked i'm very shocked (laughs) okay also (laughs) this is now we're this is devolved into us looking at google and laughing at things i'm not you are (laughs) i am but uh i looked up what happens when you enter your character name as zelda and zelda one there you know google also has other questions so who is zelda's boyfriend why do people call link zelda one of them is what is zelda's secret (laughs) Which I like, <laughs> like imagining that Zelda has a real secret. There is, there is a line, I think, where she talks about how she has a secret. Or I'm just making oh, it up. Oh, you know what? You're Maybe probably you right. Might have incepted that. You're probably right. Me. Who is Zelda's sister? Well, she doesn't have one. Yeah, I don't think she has one. Um, I, I think the first time I ever played this game, I named myself like Jimmy or something. And then I quit the game and started over because I felt too guilty about it. <laughs> I felt like I was doing something horribly wrong. This most recent time, I made myself Kevin. 
because it was oh, funny. Kevin. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so you have a Link, you have a Ganondorf, you have a Zelda, um, or if you choose to name Link anything else, it can well, be you, anything else. You have a Ganondorf, which there is no Ganondorf in any of the other Zelda games by this point. But you, if you're if you've played a Zelda game and you notice the name Ganon in there, yes, you know that guy is not uh, a good customer. He's not on the up and up. Also, in this game, he is a humanoid, uh, whereas in the other games, he was like a pig monster. Yeah. Don't worry, he'll become a monster. But he is he, this is the first time we see Ganon in a human form. Yes. Um, but generally, the story, uh, as Link, you go on a time hopping adventure. This is the Ocarina of Time to stop the evil Ganondorf from devastating the land of Hyrule. Um, you'll meet friends from all the people of Hyrule. We're going to meet some different races and creatures. So you'll make friends with all of them. And you'll even save Princess Zelda in the process. And, and by as go time, time hopping, if, if you're going to like a, it, it's like the world's most boring hopscotch track. <laughs> yeah, you're just really going is. back and forth <laughs> between two spots. Now, can you do that at will whenever you want? No, nope, nope um which now is a bugbear to me um but anyway play oracle of ages i know i know um but yeah we'll talk about the story as it kind of progresses because the story isn't intertwined with your progress and as you go through dungeons so uh we will talk about that as we talk about the game definitely um as we mentioned this is not a first person game this is a third person game uh you are you know you play as link you have various items and equipment some of that Stuff is equipable. Other things are more passive and kind of have a permanent effect on Link. An example of this would be the Zora scale that you can use to dive or or the silver Zora scale or the gold Zora scale to dive deeper. Your primary equipment consists of a sword, shield, tunic, and boots, all of which can be changed sort of for, you know, actually, well, both young Link and adult Link can well, Young Link can use two different types of shields, one of which not very effectively. Only one sword, only one pair of boots, and only one tunic. Adult Link can use various of, of everything. That's what happens when you grow up. You, yeah, you get to you do get, things you, you weren't allowed to do. shirts. Yeah. Link's, Link's parents were like, You're, <laughs> you can't change your shirt ever. No red shirt for you. No red shirt for you. Um, that's another thing I want to get into when we get to it. Probably next episode about tunics yeah. and what your favorite one is. Because I have, I'm very passionate about my tunics. Can we include the Super Smash Brothers exclusive tunic colors? Absolutely not. We're, not. we're not talking about that game. But the, I like the purple one. But I okay. do like I do like the purple one too. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to talk about the controls relative to the Nintendo 64. Obviously they're different for and arguably a little bit better in some ways for the 3DS. But there is one button that is used for attacking uh, with a sword and skipping dialogue. Skipping dialogue, probably the most important thing in this game. <laughs> yeah. On replay, you know, I'm like the 20 or more yeah. time playing it. Uh, I think that's the B button. And then the other button is an uh, the A button is used for rolling, but is also very much more contextual for interacting with your environment. Like if you approach a block, you can climb it, push it. It's a little fickle sometimes between climbing and pushing uh, your placement. I think and whether like you're pushing on the control stick while you do it also has a, an effect on that. And you can also use that button to speak to people. There are other things. I'm, I'm not going to go into absolutely everything. And you have the four C buttons, three of which you can assign weapons or other items to. Uh, the fourth C button, up C, is 
just don't even touch it. <laughs> yeah. Ideally. Um, let's talk about Navi right now. Yeah, let's do a quick Navi corner. And we'll we'll, we'll mention Navi again when we go, get into the story. But Navi is, in short, uh, a fairy companion of yours who whose purpose is to kind of tell you about enemies, like enemy weaknesses, to like tell you the name of an enemy. Sometimes she does not tell you weaknesses. Uh, to tell you where you're going. If you've spent, I don't know what the threshold is, if you spent a, cert- spent a certain amount of time not where you're supposed to be, Navi will bug you. This is indicated by a very loud, hey! Hey! Over and over and over again. Listen. Yeah. Um, Navi sucks. That's not a um, novel uh, opinion, but Navi sucks. Navi sucked then. I think Navi probably sucked er- forever since my first playthrough. Maybe even during my first playthrough. Navi just sucks. Navi's Navi is very, very annoying. Uh, I get that Navi can be helpful in some ways, especially to a young kid playing a game and doesn't know where they're going. I'm sure Navi helped me a lot. But the amount of bugging that she does and the sound effects associated with it, unforgivable. Navi is one of the least confident areas of the game. In this game that I think is a very confident first effort in 3D, Navi feels like a band-aid they thought they had to put on the game so that people would know where to go and what to do. Yeah. But the game doesn't need it. Um, I think the game they designed... And the cues they give the player are enough, but they must have had some kind of crisis of confidence. Yeah, and I would say you could probably get rid of everything Navi related, all of Navi's dialogue and any cutscene involving Navi and the game would be basically unchanged. There's a they could have they try and do things with Navi very rarely to endear her to you. But it doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't work like the way the fairies are endear, like endearable or endearing in uh, Majora's Mask. Um, but there is opportunity. They could right. have done something better with Navi, but they didn't. Um, I very- cared about Navi when you were a, when you're a Kokiri boy who's looking for a fairy, and then you get one. And after that, it was basically like, yeah, "You still here?" Exactly. Yeah. Um, who is worse, Fee or Navi? Uh. They're both bad. I don't really they're like Fee bad. at all, really. I'm gonna say Navi's worse. Yeah, I think Navi's worse, but they're yeah. both pretty. They're both pretty bad. Um, um, yeah. Something really quickly before we move on. Sure. Something about the C buttons um, is, as you mentioned, uh, you can use three of the four C buttons to equip different items, um, which is a change from old Zelda games. You can only have two items at a time, uh, yeah. and oftentimes one of those items would be a sword. Um, and the other may be a shield, depending on what game you're playing. Um, so this is different in that the change from 2D to 3D, 3D opened up this ability to use multiple different items at once, which is a really cool change. Because before you would either only be able to use one or two items, typically one besides your sword, mm-hmm. um, or you would have to press pause and play a menu game to go back and forth to be able to use multiple items in sync with each other. So I thought as a kid, this was super cool that you could have, you know, your slingshot and your boomerang and Deku nuts and use your sword and shield all at the same time. I thought that yeah. was a really cool change. Very much so. And you do still have to play the pause menu inventory game in this. And that yeah. is also a big knock against this game. It's not 
great to have have to constantly do that. I'm sure when I was a kid, I didn't care. Again, but, something that the 3DS version alleviates. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible, yeah. especially later in the game. Yeah. And yeah. And so you mentioned using your shield. So the right bumper button will be used for raising your shield. The, the R button, the, the L button, the left bumper is used for showing or hiding the on-screen minimap. I don't know if it has any other uses than that. And then the Z button, which is used for Z targeting or centering the camera on link. So Z targeting is almost like a fancy way of saying lock on. I mean, is it, it, is, does, it, is, is it really anything on. else? I mean, you yeah. can, and it's not, I guess it's not just on enemies. It can be on like signs, um, other like points of interest, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a way again, like this is a very elegant solution to a problem transitioning from 2d to 3d. How do we get players to notice the things in the world that are important when now everything's popping out in three dimensions? So they give, um, like contextual, like certain contextualized items will have a little like blue or green marker by them. And then as you get closer, Navi will fly to it and then you can lock onto it. Yeah. And there is a time travel element in this game. If we haven't mentioned <laughs> Ocarina of Time, um, that adds a little bit of a interesting flair to the game in that some of your equipment, some of your items and such is only usable as a kid. Some is only usable as an adult. We kind of mentioned that. And some things you can use both as a kid and as an adult. I actually wish two things I wish about like the weapons in this game, like especially stuff you get from dungeons. Overall, I think that there are too many weapons in this game that don't have enough uses. Yeah, agreed. You can use them, but they're not like there isn't a specific use that calls for it sometimes. Or the only use will be in the dungeon in which you got it. I'm thinking of the Megaton Hammer, which is fucking useless. Yeah. And also, I, I wish that you there were more there was a little bit more creativity in terms of like stuff you get as a kid and an adult. I mean, they do play around with the time travel element with certain items and like, you know, like the, the bean sprouts and things like that. I wish that they had done a little bit more with that. That's not really a criticism. It's just, I kind of wish. Also, I really wish you could transform into a child or an adult at any place at any time, uh, but it is tied to a very specific location and it's kind of a pain to go back there. Right. Like you have to, when you're a kid, you have to, Go to the temple, all the way to the Temple of Time, which if you don't have the Prelude of Light is a pain in the ass. Go all the way to the Temple of Time, turn into an adult, go back to the adult video store, and then get in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's the other thing, too, when I, sorry, we're going a little bit into the weeds, but it just made me think when I was a kid, I thought the idea of like pulling the Master Sword and all of a sudden you're like an adult was a really cool idea. And you could do stuff like that. Like, if oh, if I was Link, I could pull the Master Sword and, like, you know, go buy lottery tickets and buy a car and stuff. <laughs> but um, no. I thought that was a really cool idea when I was young. Really, really um, biggest complaint I think we have is that you cannot drive a, a car in this game. You can't. You can't pull donuts in Hyrule Field. <laughs> you can't. No. You can't. Um, so I think we're ready to talk about... Um, just, you know, the the overview of the game. This will definitely take a bit of time. We mentioned this is a two-part episode. I think we are going to talk up until you kind of get to the sacred realm. Really, once you start controlling adult link, I think is when we're gonna we're gonna stop and we'll we will record the next session next week. 
This isn't one of those situations where we record the entire thing at once and then edit it into two parts. So we might sound different. Aaron could pick up like a horrible smoking habit between this week and next or like between this recording session and the next one. I I don't know. James could die horrifically and it could just be me. Yeah. Um, This is a true two parter. So we're really taking a risk. There's a cliffhanger involved and anything could happen. (laughs) So stay tuned. But uh, the game stuff, nothing will change with the game. No, no, no. Yeah. So uh, we start with a dream. Uh, I I didn't notice this when I was a kid. I've only noticed since as an adult, but um, all the Zelda games begin with Link sleeping or dreaming. Oh, um, which is interesting because and he's always called Sleepyhead. Like there's in, characters that always call him Sleepyhead. In the original, is he just like sleeping in the middle of a field? Well, <laughs> it's like where the hell did know, he that, come from? No, uh, but so many Zelda games, he's asleep, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Um, I actually but, did think for a second that he was asleep for like a second until you started controlling him the first game. I mean, maybe he is. He Shows is. how well I remember it. Yeah. Um, but Link is asleep in bed and he is dreaming of Ganondorf. He does not know this character yet. Um, he's having a prophetic dream, but he's dreaming of Ganondorf chasing after Zelda and Impa. And we'll talk about them in a bit. Um, Ganondorf sees Link and his dream ends. Um, so Link is a fairy, uh, for, fairy boy, forest boy, uh, <laughs> one of the Kokiri. And he is awoken by Navi, who is a fairy, uh, who has been assigned to Link. Uh, she tells him to seek the great Deku tree. Uh, so in the Kokiri woods, these little children creatures, the Kokiri, um, they kind of come of age when they get a fairy. So you meet your friend Saria outside of your house and she congratulates you on getting a fairy. There'll be more on Saria in a bit. Um, but to get to the great Deku tree, you need a sword and shield. So I like the Kokiri woods as kind of a tutorial area. Basically, this area is designed to teach you and practice your moveset in 3D. So there's places to climb. um, There's places to pick up rocks and throw them. There's places to practice your swimming. Um, Anything else about the Kokiri Woods, this first little village um, that you can think of that's sort of introducing you to the game mechanics? Yes, a negative thing. As I mentioned, I'll do this this a lot. One thing I thought about going through this is, you know, we have... We replay games a lot. This is being one of them. I'm going to use Dark Souls as a comparison. Intro areas to a game, certain games often feel like a slog to get through. Even if you kind of like have the nostalgia, you like the way it looks visually, gameplay wise, it can be a little bit of a slog. You want to get kind of get to the point. And not that it takes very long to get through the Kokiri Woods, when especially when you're replaying and you know what you're doing. But it's to me, it's it's like a contrast to the likes of Dark Souls, where like essentially the undead Berg, right? It's kind of really fun and interesting and challenging every single time. And this is just feels like I mean, to be honest with you, if I'm being if you catch me on a bad day, I view like the entirety of being young Link to be a little bit of a slog. I don't I don't like dislike it. I, I I truly don't. But by comparison, it is a bit of a slog. It is yeah. really like it takes a lot of time to get everywhere. It, you know, it's not again, it's not that slow, but you kind of I find myself replaying the game and I just kind of want to get to be adult link. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I think the area stands out just because I think, like you said, playing it now when you already know how to do everything in 3D, yeah, you, know, you can kind of skip it. But especially for that first time um, oh, playing man. it, yeah, yeah, like really crazy. Like I can pick up a rock and I can run around to uh, like another point in the level and I can throw that rock really far and I can make the rock land in the water. And I did um, that. Which, at target like yeah. you know yeah. i was i was blown away by like leaving yeah. your house like i'm just in your house I'm like okay well okay whatever and you leave your house get the cutscene. you go down the ladder talk to soraya and or saria i don't even i've i've gone back and forth on which one that what it actually is i'm sure there's a right answer and just cutting grass yeah cutting grass because why which is not? a good which is a good segue uh you find your sword in a little forest maze which is kind of teaching you that, you know, there'll be mazes in this game. Uh, the forest maze is a 3D maze, obviously, but it's very basic. Um, so you find the sword there. The shield can be bought. You can only buy the shield. You cannot find it uh, for 40 rupees, which is doing multiple things. It's kind of teaching you how to farm for money by chopping grass, by throwing rocks, things like that. It's teaching you about the economy and it's also getting you to practice how to buy something. So again, like in this first opening area, maybe I'm pouring a lot of sugar on this opening area. I I'm only doing that. I think it is a bit boring after you played the game before, but for a first time player, I think this does an excellent job teaching you uh, about the game, about how it works, how it moves, how it feels. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the Deku tree. So in order to get, you know, you've got your sword, you got your shield, and then you can, you are allowed to pass and go see the Deku tree. The guy who is guarding you and stopping you from doing it, his name is like Mido or something like that. He's this yeah, punk ass bully bitch yeah. who won't let you through. Um, real, a real uh, school bully right there. Yeah. Um, but you are able to go through as you've been summoned by, by Nami to do. Uh, not, well, you have not, to, you Nami have to get your to sword first. So you basically have to, this punk ass bitch, Tells you you can't go through. You have to go get a weapon and basically flash it to him. Yeah. To be like, get out of my way. Yeah. And then, so you're visiting the great Deku tree, who is the guardian of the Kokiri forest. If you didn't already mention that, um, he, his, his wisdom knows no bounds. Um, but he has been infected by evil. The, the, he feels this parasite growing inside him. Hey, and, me too. Yeah, right. We are, yeah, it's called being over 30 years old. Pretty much. Um, but he is asking you to go inside him. I'll just let that sit there for a second. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and remove the infection, remove remove the evil that he knows is inside him. So you have our first dungeon inside the great Deku tree. Again, first time experience, unbelievable. The music, yeah. the atmosphere, blown away. I the still, height. Uh, yeah, the height. I still, I still have such nostalgia for this level. I, I have a lot of fondness for this level, even still. Like I mentioned about the beginning of the game being a little bit of a slog. I, I mean, this you can fly through this dungeon super fast, having done it this many times. But like all Zelda games, really, you can just kind of fly through. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, it's just the weight of the story at this point. Again, I'm putting myself back in the shoes of having done this. Like that great Deku tree is telling you he's been cursed. He feel he senses this great evil coming and he wants you to break this curse. And you're just like, 
holy cow, the stakes are so high right now. I need to go be a hero. Like right off the bat, I, I like young me was just in, just blown away. So, well, and two, we should note a link to the past had a pretty extensive narrative. Um, but I started with Zelda one, I didn't play Link to the Past. So, again, to jump from Zelda one, which has does it have a story really not spelled out? I mean, in the manual, and then very cryptic remarks from like certain characters in the old man, but really, no. Um, so then you're when you jump into this game, you're thrust in this like big, crazy, epic story in this bigger, larger than life world. Um, and yeah, having to break a curse right at the beginning of the game was um, exciting. Yeah. And one thing, just because the puzzles, the type of puzzles in this dungeon kind of call for this discussion. One thing we did not mention before, and that's my bad, is there is no jump button in this game. And in a way there's a contextual, the, the A button can be used to jump when you're locked onto someone as a way of like jump attacking, but generally there is no free ability to jump. Link auto jumps when you run off a ledge, which is a very interesting choice that was very odd, like especially after having played Mario 64. The lack of a jump I was very thrown off by when I first played this game. I, I since, you know, don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. I mean, Dark Souls doesn't have a jump. Um, well, they kind of do, but not one you're supposed to use that often. Well, but anyway, I mean, so does this game. It kind of does. It, it does. It does. So I'm just saying, like, with the, yeah, the lack yeah. of an ability to jump whenever you want is something that you really get accustomed to if you're accustomed to playing a lot of platformers and such. Um, again, not I, it's I not here. Theory, I have a theory for why that might be, and maybe you can you you can bounce this idea off me. Sure. I think that there's no jump button because they thought that players would get too in the weeds with using the jump button to solve puzzles. What do you think about that? That I think that's that's a good example. I mean, it's I, they when they started designing puzzles, I would imagine it's like okay, well, you need to push a block to be able to reach a higher ledge. What if you can just jump right onto the block right. and then exactly. leap a large distance? Like you don't have to push it all the way. Granted, there's a little bit too much block pushing in this game. It's a little too slow. And sometimes you have to push stuff too far, but minor nitpick. Um, but yeah, so auto jump is definitely used a lot in these puzzles. Uh, a lot of the puzzles here are kind of focused on using the item you get in this dungeon, which is the slingshot. I mean, like Zelda games, you get a new item in a in a dungeon and you find at least a handful of uses for that item and it's almost always if not always key to beating the boss so there are slingshot puzzles there's like you know jumping puzzles there are enemies to just to defeat there are webs to burn using deku sticks that are caught on fire and like you mentioned, there is like a there is a height and like a, and a depth to this. Like you are climbing to the top of the tree and one of the key puzzles. And, and I remember this took me forever to figure yep. out. Yep, me too. There is a giant web on the, f- the first floor of the Deku tree and you have to go all the way up and you have to jump and you have to land in the right spot, like right in the middle. And it will break the web and you'll land in the basement. I mean, that again, blew, blew my mind, was so frustrating, could not figure it out. Um, but once you do, that's the other thing too. It's it's teaching you. This is the first dungeon and showing you that you were, you're going to have to consider 3D space. Uh, yeah. This is not like old Zelda games. It's 3D a space really is going good to play into this. Yeah. yeah, it's really good introduction to combat and really all the other elements of of 3D in this game. It, it's really really well done. So. 
after some p- more puzzles in the basement area, you reach the boss arena to fight the parasitic armored arachnid Goma. Goma. Great arena. Great opening cutscene. All the bosses have like an opening cutscene. Some of which describe some, it for us. Yeah. So Link walks in and at first, and it's like, I don't know if it's like smoky, but it's really dark. Um, and it's, I mean, it's not like impossible to see, but it's a very dark, uh, large arena. I think probably the largest arena really, or largest area in the dungeon so far. And I believe you have full control over Link, right? And what you and do, you're kind of like, what am I supposed to be doing here? If you look up on the ceiling using first person, you will see Goma. And then that will trigger the cutscene. Is that right? Yeah. And then if you don't and you walk forward, Goma will drop. Oh, yes, that's right. That's yeah. Right. So either way, but I think it's it's cool either way. I think it's cool if you notice Goma and look. I also think it's cool if you don't notice Goma and you walk forward and she just kind of drops down. And I, I, I'm sure that happened to me once. I, I Now the only one I remember, I always look up just because that's how I've been doing it for so long. But the I mean, the boss fight is is relatively straightforward. I mean, again, it can be difficult with like only three hearts. I also forgot to mention that you have hearts like any other Zelda game, just kind of like assumed at this point. Um, and then also you have magic, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but the the really the goal is to shoot Goma in the eye with your slingshot when the eye is open. Um, and then it will stun it and then you can stab it in the eye some more and it will run off. Um, and in between um, those types of hits um, and after a certain point, it will go to the ceiling and it will drop eggs, which will hatch into spiders. Right. And yeah. you can kill those eggs before they hatch uh, with one hit, which makes the fight a lot easier. Yeah, um, we should say I think Goma's design is really cool. Yeah, uh, it's almost like a like a three legged spider sort of. Um, and Goma's eye. I love the design on Goma's eye. Yes, agreed. Very cool. Um, and then, yeah, so when you defeat Goma, you there is a uh, you get a heart container uh, as you do with after you beat every boss, and you are warped outside where the great Deku tree talks to you. He sure does. He sure does. Um, so the Deku tree leaves link with a warning about a wicked man of the desert. Uh, and this is Ganondorf. And he tells them the history of the Triforce. And that is not the first time you hear this fucking story. No, although we should say, is this the first time in a Zelda game that the Triforce is kind of fully explained? I think so. Um, yeah. Other than just maybe like a couple sentences that are spoken by somebody. So it's nice yeah. to have that. But on a replay, the inability to skip cutscenes or like advance the dialogue quickly in cutscenes, obviously, because the kind of there's pacing to it, right? You can't just like skip to the end of the dialogue, but then the cutscene will still play. But so the yeah, the inability to, to skip cutscenes is a pain. Um, the fact that they tell the same damn story with very minor twists um, multiple times is a little frustrating too. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So um, the Triforce, what is it? Uh, it is the point at which the goddesses of wisdom, power, and courage left the world, um, and it is also a gateway to the sacred realm. Uh, people believe that it can grant any wish if you get your hands on it. Um, so obviously very important, needs to be protected. Uh, and our friend Ganondorf wants to get his hands on it. So, uh, bummer, the great Deku Tree dies, um, but gives Link this mission to find Princess Zelda, stop Ganon, um, and stop the evil that he is trying to spread. 
Um, oh, also importantly, the great Deku tree tells Link that he is in fact not a Kokiri um, and that he is a Hylian. Yeah. And that unlike the the Kokiri of the forest, Link will grow up. Sucks um, to be all those other kids. I sucks guess. to be all those other kids. All, all those Peter Pan looking motherfuckers. <laughs> I So when I was playing the game this time, I, I think I focused on the opening village because this time I was like, I'm really going to explore it. I'm really going to do everything in the opening village here. And I think they mentioned, like, if the Kokiri leave the forest, they die. Like, one of them tells you that. <laughs> I think that's true. So it really does suck to be a Kokiri. And speaking of walking around, I, I think I talked to almost no character in this game, if not no character in this game, that I didn't have to talk to this replay. I did a lot in this replay. I, I When I replay this game, I always get all of the pieces of heart and get all full oh, heart containers. No, I do not I... do the gold skull show up because... Because honestly, the pieces of heart, I don't take me very long. I know where they all are, except one I always forget every single time. But it really, it's it doesn't feel like going out of my way. Go, what feels like going out of my way is doing gold sculptures, which I did not do. I, I usually do gold sculptures to get bigger wallet and just for convenience and get do it to get a piece of heart. So, you know, I think you need 40 for that. So beyond 40, I don't really try. Um, since they do show up in, uh, well, we, we can hold off on the skeletons, but there are things you can collect and you can start collecting them as early as inside the great Deku tree. Yes. And, and by, and well, I think one of which you have to like come back, this game doesn't do very much with this, but there are some times where you can go back to dungeons to get more stuff. There is a gold skull that's behind a bomb wall, which is a very odd thing. It's one of the very few times the game like tries to tell you to go back. I don't think it's worth it at all. In fact, it's more of an inconvenience than anything else. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so Link leaves for Hyrule Castle, uh, but first he's stopped by his friend Saria or Saraya or I, 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 you want to. I think it's name. Saria. I mean, that's closest to how it would be pronounced in Japanese. So let's go with Saria. Yeah. So stop by Saria, uh, your friend from the beginning. She gives him the fairy ocarina. Also, is it ocarina or ocarina? What do you say? I think it's ocarina. I think that's actually what it is. But I think it, it's ocarina. This is something that's been going. Like I used to say ocarina, like, and I I think that's wrong. So I'm just gonna say it right here, unfounded. It's ocarina. That is how to ocarina. It. Yeah. Ocarina. Saria gives him the fairy ocarina, um, which is this little instrument to play. Uh, the fairy ocarina has only really a couple uses. It'll be the ocarina of time. Um, that's kind of more important. That and I don't, later. I don't think we mentioned that the C buttons and like the A button and actually even the bumpers, if you want to like play around with it, though it's never used during the main game, um, can all be used to play notes on the ocarinas that you get in this game. Yes. Um, so we open, uh, we open up the game a little bit here. When we leave the Kokiri forest, we get to Hyrule field Everyone's favorite weird owl thing, Kapora Gabora, is there. I hate him. <laughs> Do you really? It, it's bullshit that the default option for when he stops talking is that you is do that want you to want hear to his hear dialogue. Again. Again. Yes. I can't tell you how many times I've screwed that up. No, I hate that guy. <laughs> oh, I've done that too. Um, but so Kapora Gabora is there. And um, we'll kind of go into everything that's going on with Hyrule Field as the game unfolds. But right now, basically, all you need to know is that it's this big open area. You've got a ranch in the middle, and then it's kind of like a wheel with spokes going off the end to take you to different parts of the world. Um, right now, we just need to go north to Hyrule Castle Town. And the only Hi other thing to... Hyrule Field is boring and empty, and too, yeah, it takes too long to go across. 
which I, again, not what I thought when I first played this game, but lacking too much detail and just a slog to get through. Yeah. Great um, music. Great, great music game. all around in this game. <laughs> there's a there's a day and night cycle, uh, which I think looking back on it now, kind of completely unnecessary, kind yeah. of weird that they even included it, but interesting. Um, so ghosts and harder enemies, basically Stalfos, essentially, uh, come out at night and you can't get into Hyrule Castle Town at night. Um, is there anything, any other different thing? At I don't, that you can I don't think, think so. I mean, certain, uh, there's like a character that I think the running man will only appear during certain parts of the day. I could be wrong, but one of the reasons I think that the day night cycle, like the dynamic day and night on like, in like larger areas like this, um, was done because for like a town that you visit, like actually, I, I don't know it, it well, because you there's less people and things around, right? So you, so if you like, you know, like when you are in a town, if you switch from day to night, which we'll explain how you do that later. Um, obviously, different people have to come out. There are different things going on. It'd be weird if all that shit just changed right in front of you when you switched. And so it, what it does is it warps you back to the, it kind of reloads the town that you're in to be like at night or during the day. There's no need to do that with Hyrule Field. You can just have, and it, it would be a waste of, it'd be a, a pain in the ass if you played the Sun Song, turned it to night, and then you got warped back to where you started in Hyrule Field. <laughs> it would take forever. Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense the way they did it that way. Although, in a, in a way, I feel like it's a little bit unnecessary. I, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. So um, we get to Hyrule Castle Town. Tell us about that. Um, we'll fly through the, the things that you can do here. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of like, there's a lot of people. It's it was really exciting coming here for the first time. I'm going to be saying that a lot. Um, there's a there's a lot to do, but yet also really not that much to do. There's a lot of like rooms to go in, but you know, and doors to go in, and people to talk to. Most of them don't really do anything of use. It just kind of adds, you know, to the livelihood, the liveliness of the town. Um, again, both in day and night, there are certain places you can go at night, people you can talk to at night, and places you can go during the day etc there is a pot house with a bunch of pots you can break for rupees and boy have i done that um there is a treasure chest shop which is like a game uh that you can play that's better you know you get win like different prizes most of the shops and games you can play a piece of heart is almost always a prize if not always a prize um or if not then it's usually something like a a bag that will make your capacity for holding a certain item bigger yeah, um, none of them are a complete waste of time, we should say. Yeah, um, there's a back alley. There's like some citizens loitering around. There is a bazaar um, where a bearded man is selling the Hylian shield for 80 rupees, which ends up being cheaper um, once you get like a referral letter uh, in a little bit. Uh, there's a potion shop. Um, that potions can replenish your health uh, or magic or both, I think. Yeah, I, I haven't gone in the potion shop in a long time. Uh, the happy mask shop and side quest associated with that. We're not going to talk a whole lot about the happy mask shop, but the gist of it is, and it can only be done as young link. Young link is tasked with finding certain people to sell certain masks to for the happy mask salesman. Once you sell those masks to the right people, then you get another mask to sell to another person, but then you can also like borrow those masks from the shop at any time, I believe, or no, I, I think they're basically once once you when you're trying to sell a mask, you get to wear that mask and talk to anyone you want. And you're trying to find the right person for it. Um, very oftentimes, 
in in general, when you talk to people with a mask on, you get some funny or horrified reactions from certain people. But ultimately, <laughs> if you find all the right people to sell the mask to, the Happy Mask Salesman will allow you to rent out whenever you want four different masks. The Mask of Truth, which allows you to talk to these things called gossip stones. They're the kind of these like kind of almost like ovular um, stones that are like stuck embedded into the ground that have like a little eye on them. When you um, hit them, they usually tell you what the time is. But if you have the mask of truth, you can talk to them. You can t- teach you things about Hyrule and their, its inhabitants might reveal locations of um, secret areas and treasure. I did you engage with, long, yeah, no, not in a long time. Did you engage time. with the system a lot? Like when you were younger, when I was younger. Yeah. I, I tried it out. I don't think I did it my first playthrough. I honestly don't think I completed the mask uh quest i first played through gotcha. um yeah, other I masks I've can... only i i've only messed with the mask of truth i think in like one playthrough yeah um other masks you can get is like a gerudo goron and zora masks all of these do is just get you funny reactions from people um other things there is a bomb chew bowling alley bomb shoes are kind of like bombs which we'll describe a little bit in a little bit later but bomb shoes are kind of like ma- like little mouse bombs like that like once you drop them they kind of head straight ahead they're a little uh, hard to control, um, and that's kind of what makes the bomb chew bowling alley game a little difficult. Uh, and there is a shooting gallery, which you can use to win a large deck of seats pouch um, if you get a perfect score. It's, you kind of have to just shoot things. It just tests your aiming with uh, your pretty, slingshot. Pretty easy with the 3DS. Pretty. I was just going to say that. Pretty easy with the 3DS, kind of stiff and annoying if you're playing any other way. Yeah. Um, when you get through the castle town, you get to Hyrule Castle Gate, where you come across Marin, who is looking for her father, Talon. Who's is it gone... Talon or Taryn? Or it might be Taryn. I can't. It might be Taryn. I can't remember. Uh, actually, I think it's Talon, who looks a lot like Mario. Yes. Um, he was, he's gone missing, making a uh, milk delivery to the castle. Marin and uh, Talon is the owner of Lon Lon Ranch, which is a location um, in Hyrule Field. Um, but that we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, so what do you have to do, uh, in Hyrule Castle? So, um, you basically have to find Talon. Um, you have to sneak past some guards first. If you get caught by the guards, they will kind of throw you out. This was, uh, this is a good question for both of us. Was this your first, uh, stealth experience in a game? Ah, you nabbed that question from me. I was going to ask you the same thing. Uh, I believe it was for me. I believe- I, I, Unless there was like some weird game I played, a like learning game like Math Blaster or like Jumpstart that had a stealth element to it. <laughs> this might have been the first stealth element. Yeah, I think this is the first game I played with a stealth element, which is kind of interesting. But you sneak past guards, uh, you find Talon slash Taryn, uh, they're passed out. You either leave or get kicked out and you find Marin singing. So near the entrance of the castle. She will give you an egg and ask you to find her dad. Um, Basically wait for a day for the egg to hatch into a chicken. And then you can use the chicken to wake him. So this kind of begins the idea. And this is true of many Zelda games of like item trading sequences or um, sequences where items will change and recontextualize their use. So um, I'm thinking of Link's Awakening. There's an item trading sequence. We just talked about the happy mask. There's item trading sequence. There's another item trading sequence in this game. But this is like a very basic example of that. So you get the egg. You have to wait. The egg changes into the chicken or the cuckoo and use the cuckoo to wake up um, uh, Talon. Oh, uh, we're we're wrong. Uh, it is Talon. It's Malon. 
Malin. The, I think we ma, ma, I think some like websites and some people say Marin or Marin because of L's sounding like R's in Japanese. Yes. So Malin. Yeah. Um, but so you sneak through basically just hedge mazes until you get to Princess Zelda. Um, again, if the guards catch you, they will kick you out. You will have to do this from the beginning. So Zelda tells you that she has been having prophetic dreams about you and Ganondorf. She tells you all about the door of time, which can only be opened with the spiritual stones of each of Hyrule's major species. So the Kokiri, uh, the Gorons, and the Zora. I was going to say the Dodongos, but no, <laughs> the Gorons. Can you imagine? Where would they all fit? <laughs> just a race of Dodongos. They're just running around, just blowing shit up. All over the place, yeah. Um, so you need to get these stones to open the door of time, um, so that you can protect the Triforce from Ganon. Who it's is a very long to... cutscene. It is a long cutscene. Um, Impa teaches you Zelda's lullaby and tells you that this is basically the song you can use to prove that you have a connection to the royal family. And there, uh, you can actually come back here later and bomb a rock to get a great fairy fountain for Din's fire. And that's outside the castle area, correct? Yeah, it's it's right outside. And yeah, you, you're, meant, you're meant to come back here. I mean, Din's fire is pretty useful, if not completely necessary for one particular, at least one part of the game. And all of those spells are pretty useful. They are pretty useful. Even I, I, I use Froze Wind almost never, uh, but it's I would still say it's useful. Um, probably most useful in the Water Temple. But um, yeah, I mean, so you're yeah, you there is, you know, backtracking in this game and such. You get new new um, items and abilities. And you can come back and do stuff. And one of those things is to come back here and, you, you know, as you're going through um, getting past the guards, you might you might notice like a little corner with a rock. And it looks a little uh, if you played video games before, it's like, oh, this seems important. So make sure to come back there and get a great fairy at the uh, go to the great, great fairy fountain. Um, and yep. since you have one spiritual stone, you are directed to get the second, uh, which is which belongs to the Gorons. So you will yes. need to head to Kakariko Village. And before you do that, actually, one thing that's good to do now, or at least that I do now, is go to Lon Lon Ranch. Um, yes. Do to you want to do, uh, do uh, talk about Lon Lon Ranch now? Yeah, really quick. I mean, you go there um, and you you see Malin again. Uh, she introduces you to the horse uh, Apona and teaches you Apona's song, which... Um, tames Epona and kind of makes Epona like you. You can also meet Ingo who is Luigi. Evil <laughs> Got Luigi. Evil Luigi. He's Waluigi. Yeah, uh, be- yeah. Before Waluigi. Yeah. Uh, Ingo is a worker at the at the farm who clearly has some aspirations to own the farm himself um, and talks about how Talon's lazy and such. Um, really the things to do there is really to, to learn Epona's song. Um, there are a couple heart pieces you can get um, like a find the cuckoo amongst a lot of cuckoo like minigame. Uh, you can get milk. There's a little block puzzle. Get another heart piece and and things like that. So that takes us to Kakariko Village. Yeah, do tell. Um, Kakariko Village is interesting. This is like really your first like what feels like a full town. I mean the the Hyrule Market feels more like a marketplace. This is like a this is like a full town. Um, there's a handful of things to do here. We'll touch. I mean, we're not going to touch on every little thing in this game, but you know, one of the, you, know, you can get your first bottle. By finding all the cuckoos around and giving them back and put, putting them in the pen that they've escaped from. Uh, you um, can, maybe we should explain why bottles are useful or what they're good for. So bottles are I mean, necessary for some things. Um, they can hold I mean, potions, water, fish, bugs, uh, milk, 
Um, what else? So many other things. I think that's oh, blue fire, that. which is oh, where you yes. absolutely need them for. Um, having multiple bottles makes your life. Oh, and fairies, which is probably the most important. Um, to the point where you can get a get a fairy at a fairy fountain or a great fairy, or like you know, or you might find in a bottle and you catch it in a bottle. Once you die, the fairy will automatically revive you, which is great. Yes. Um, having multiple bottles is very good, just be, so you can not have to use one bottle for all of your tasks. I always get at least three bottles. I did not get four this most recent time. I find it yeah, just I'm so convenient to have three. I'm typically not a completionist about things, but I definitely always try to get multiple bottles. Yeah. Um, another thing you can do is go to the graveyard. Um, there's a couple things to do at the graveyard. I'll just mention that the main thing to do there is to go to the Royal tomb um, underground and, that's, um, and get and learn the sun song. The interesting part about that kind of little mini quest is it gives you your first probable possible exposure to the re-dead. Yeah. Which are, which terrified me as a kid. Um, They are these like shriveled, brown, hulking, slow walking, groaning, zombie-like things that if they get too close to you, they will like leap on top of you and strangle you. Um, Can I, can I do my best re-dead impression? Yeah, absolutely. What? It's a sudden, <laughs> like, you just, good. like, gargled something. <laughs> <laughs> They're very spooky, though. I thought maybe for a second, like, someone, like, that was the kind of thing where, like, right as you were about to do it, someone, like, an assassin came up behind you and, like, tried to, like, <laughs> strangle you with a belt. <laughs> and for all you know, that's maybe what just happened. Yeah, well, you if, then you fended them off very quickly. Um. Anyway, you get the Sun Song. Uh, you can do the the gravedigger uh, Dampe. Um, you can do a uh, little thing he does uh, at night, a um, little mini game where you can get a piece of heart. Um, but anyway, so really the next place to go to, I mean, you're probably going to leave Kakariko Village and climb the mountain and go to Goron Village. Um, but that's, and you'll find out that you're not, there's something you need to do before then. So we'll just talk about what, where you need to go before you do that. Um, though. Yes. You know, I, I've definitely made the mistake of going to Goron Village. I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot I need something. But now is the time to go back to uh, Kokiri Woods and go to the Lost Woods, uh, through which you can reach the Sacred Forest Meadow. You want to talk about the Lost Woods? Yeah. So uh, in the Lost Woods, uh, my favorite part about the Lost Woods is that you hear Saria's song the whole time. Yep. Um, but basically you are going through the lost woods, uh, which is, uh, the, something that has existed in many Zelda games. Basically you were trying to find the path that has the music playing most clearly to get through it. Um, and you finally find Saria in the sacred forest meadow. She teaches you Saria's song. Um, tell me about the music game with the skull kids. I mean, that's just, it's a dumb memory game for a piece of heart. I mean, I, when I said pieces of heart don't really take that long to get, I mean, they really don't, but some things are a little bit of a drag and this is one of them. It takes, it takes a little bit of time to do it, but oh. it's, it's, it's a really easy game. Can we note also that in the outline you have pieces of heart as POH um, <laughs> and we have been texting and you've been telling me that you're hunting down the POHs. I thought you meant the pose. No. <laughs> but okay. that's funny because that's because funny. i was like well i know there's a number of pose in the game but i don't think it takes you that long <laughs> no there aren't that many pose yeah um yeah one one thing i want to mention about um where you get uh 
Soraya song in Sacred Forest Meadow. Behind Soraya is a like a tree or like a, a temple, like in an opening. Like oh, you can yes. see very yeah. early that there is something here. And I remember like trying to figure out how do I get in there? Yes. As a kid. Reminding me of that. Um, And you do get to go in there as an adult, but you get to go in there eventually, but it's an awesome preview to something that you won't experience until later. I remember the same thing when I was a kid, I was like, how do I get up there? Um, And of course you can't yet, but uh, it's very cool to have this be the area. And of course it will be, um, you know, especially important for Saria later. Yeah. Um, but you return to Death Mountain and Goran Village, or you go there for the first time, um, and you meet Darunia, who is the leader of the Goran, um, and you play Saria's song for him to cheer him up. And why is he sad? Um, I actually don't. Re- oh, it's because the the Dodongo's cavern. There was like a they're like, like a eating all the rocks. Yeah, they're or eating no. all the. Yeah, I think so. They sealed away the cave where they get all the rocks that they eat, right? it's funny Uh, story is really not this game strong suit (laughs) i mean it is and it isn't i mean it's not (laughs) it's not that memorable to me like why he's upset but then again i also i i will admit i skip a lot of dialogue so if if i remember correctly where they get their food they eat rocks and uh it's in dodongo's cavern which has been blocked off yeah 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 something 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 defeat the bad guys yeah <laughs> um but yeah so it gives you the goron bracelet so you can now pick up bombs which is something that you don't really need to use very much at all um because you'll quit it's the, the its use is quickly like negated by picking up a bomb bag then again then again i guess its existence allows you to throw bombs from your bond bag bomb bag you could maybe that's my head can <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, and my head cannon bombs are heavy, so you need the bracelet to be able to lift them. So even if you have the bomb bag, you need the bracelet so you can actually throw them. Yeah, and so before you go to Dodongo's Cavern, optionally, what you can do is you can climb uh, to the top of Death Mountain, which is a pretty, uh, pretty cool view, uh, and get uh, another great fairy to learn um, the sword spin, and you get a little bit of magic. You get like your magic bar like halfway full. Yeah, to its max capacity. Um, let's talk about Dodongo's Cavern. What do you think yeah. about this one? Um, I mean, again, first time totally just blew me away. Yeah. Um, now again, still a bit of a slog, but not, I mean, it, it, I like it aesthetically, you know, it is what it is. It, it's, it's, it's fun to be in a new environment. Uh, I don't think it wowed me at like in the same way back when I was younger, the same way that the Deku tree wowed me. But I don't know, it's hard to put myself back into the, that exact mindset. There's certain things that I, I'll never forget and other things I can't exactly remember what I thought. Um, Let's set the scene, though. So you go yeah. in and it's this huge, massive central chamber and there's a giant skull hanging yeah. over the whole thing with a bridge running across it. I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking that was so cool. Yes. And then cool. the idea that throughout the dungeon, you're going to be throwing bombs in the the skull's eyes. You're going to be getting the mouth to open. Um, you're going to be traversing that bridge. I, I just thought that central chamber was really cool. The dungeon itself is pretty straightforward. It's like a lot of bomb puzzles. Um, there's a combat arena where you fight Lizalfos. Um, but it's it's mainly full of bomb puzzles because, again, you get the item, the bomb bag. Yep. Um, and then the boss fight with King Dodongo, pretty simple. All the child boss fights are pretty simple. 
Um, you just feed well, him bombs. In a way, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, I mean, he he very clearly telegraphs when you need to be throwing a bomb inside his giant mouth. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is a much smaller arena than the Goma arena. But um, so like essentially you, you know, he will kind of very slowly stomp around. You throw a bomb in his mouth, then attack him with your sword. I think you'd only be able to hit him once. I forget. Um, and then he'll roll around. You have to avoid him. There's lava in the middle. You got to dodge that. Uh, and then just repeat the process. Yeah, basically. Not yep. quite as easy as Goma, but pretty easy. And, I, you know, when I was talking, I've talked a little bit about this game feeling like a slog at times. I think one of the one of the it's not just like newer games that make that comparison more like relevant and, and obvious in my mind. It's also compare it to other 2D Zelda games. Bosses, boss fights last like half the time. <laughs> That's don't true. they like? I mean, eat, yeah. it's it, boss battles are super fast as long as you know what to do. Yeah, some some yeah. two D Zelda games like lengthen them a little bit, but I find them to be a lot shorter on average than than three D, or at least in this game. I think it's just by virtue of like movement, uh, because everything has to move around. Like Dodongo has to move before he opens his mouth for you, like that. Like where movement in three D is so much slower, at least in this game, than the two D games. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, when you when you beat Dodongo, you get the uh, Goron's Ruby. Uh, Darunia shows up uh, outside and and tells you that you are now his sworn brother. And as a token of that, you get the the Goron's Ruby. And uh, yeah, on to the next one. On to the next one. We go to Zora River Um, here. We why don't we talk about buying and planting magical beans? Yeah. Um, What do you think about the magical bean part of this game? I mean, maybe you don't engage with it. I did because I need it for pieces of heart. I did. um, Yeah. For pieces of heart and other things. Also, I just think the sound they make when you're flying on them is really funny. (laughs) It's a little annoying. (laughs) Oh, you know what? This is out of nowhere, but maybe I'll say it. I'll remember to say it when we do um, what works. It doesn't work. But let me just say it's when in terms of annoying sounds, Navi is not even the number one. The number one is the sound when you are low on health. Oh, Cannot da, da, stand da, da, it. Da, da. You're, that, I would rather listen to you going da 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 than the actual sound that you hear. It's it's terrible. <laughs> um. Anyway, but the 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 bean plant is a weird thing because some of them are basically useless, but they all at least when you're starting they all. F- seem like they're going to be useful once you realize what the point of it is i think that's on purpose though because i think the idea is if you're not playing this game with a guide and we should clarify the magical beans basically the way it works is you get these beans and there are spots on the ground when you're a child that you can clearly see are meant to be planted you plant the seeds as a child and then when you become an adult they have grown to be plants that for some reason fly and <laughs> will take you around to different places. Yeah. But I think the idea is playing this game without a guide, you kind of just have to it's it's trial and error on which ones are going to be more useful to you, which I think is stupid. I think there shouldn't be trial and error. I think they should all be useful or just use a guide. Yeah. And there are other uses too like if you have bugs in a jar and you put them on the ground they will scurry into one of those holes if you're near one and then a gold skull will pop out yes and i think that works on all of them um zora's river has got a couple uh pieces of heart to get i think just two at this time or well at least two that are like out in the open 
or maybe one that's out in the open. Anyway, there, there are these like frogs that you come across where you can get two different pieces of heart from them. One of them I think is a memory game. The other is you have to play once you know a certain amount of songs, basically all the songs you can learn as a kid. I think once you know all of them, you play all of them and uh, you will, the fro- frogs will grow every time you play a new song for them. And then you will get a piece of heart for that too. Yeah. But ultimately you make your way up to the uh, kind of up. It is kind of upwards towards like the, the source of the river, which is like this waterfall. Yes. And there you'll, you know, when you see a little symbol on the ground, basically in this game, almost always means you have to play Zelda's lullaby. We um, should say the Triforce symbol. Yeah. Well, sometimes I feel like there isn't a Triforce or, symbol. Or the or, like or the rest of the royal family or yeah. whatever. Either either way. Um, you play Zelda's lullaby here and then the waterfall parts briefly, so you can go into a uh, an opening behind it. I love when things are behind waterfalls. There's always something behind a waterfall. And that happens twice in this game. The other being uh, Gerudo Valley. In Guatemala, we stopped by a pretty beautiful waterfall. And I wished I could have checked behind it for mysterious caves and treasures. But there would have probably... I I can't believe you didn't check. I know, I know. Or or there's probably a dead body. (laughs) Yeah. Which is some people's treasure. That's true. (laughs) What if it was just like you, you, you found this like skeleton clutching a diamond like a i was literally diamond. gonna say a diamond encrusted skeleton <laughs> that would be great too how would that have happened i don't know someone bedazzled the skeleton and then left it for someone else to find what a waste of diamonds that would be yeah i guess <laughs> unless you have a lot of diamonds <laughs> just so you're just lousy with diamonds and you have yeah no you don't know what to do with all the extras yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know uh tell us about uh zora's domain and how we are getting to this next dungeon yeah so zora's domain um actually really cool area um especially that's the thing too um like we like i said the 3ds version basically uh just makes the concept art the reality of the game yeah and i think the areas are very strong even definitely um, definitely even in even in the original version like i think the first time I came into Zora's domain, I remember thinking like, boy, I would love to go there. I would Incredible love to music. In there. Too. Incredible <laughs> music. Such good music. Um, it's just this big open pool area uh, with water, with the Zoras. We should say the Zoras are these like humanoid mermaid people with like fin tails. Also, the Zoras have been redesigned from how they look in previous games. Mm-hmm. In previous games, they're these like frilled Cthulhu-esque monsters. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah which is kind of strange here yeah they're given like a very sleek almost dolphin like appearance um but so you meet uh zuto zuta ruto ruta ruto what (laughs) ruto no Um, ruto ruto is the daughter you don't meet it's it's uh king that's right king zora king zora king zora so king zora is having problems with uh jabu jabu which is a sacred uh, creature for the Zora. Um, and uh, what was the plot here? I always forget. <laughs> what, what do you, why do we need this? Uh, his daughter, Rudo has gone missing. Oh, that's right. I thought she goes in with you, but no, you go in. No, no. Her. Yeah. You, you, she is gone missing. Um, and something is up with, uh, with Jabu Jabu. Jabu, he, Jabu yeah. he is, uh, I don't know. He's got indigestion or something like that. And you ha- can't help but wonder if the two things are connected. 
Um, but in order to be able to go to Jabu Jabu, you need to do two things. You need to go to one of the Zoras who is at the top of a waterfall who is running this diving game. Uh, we have to dive for these rupees. If you d- dive and get all the rupees within the time limit, you get these silver scale. This is a mandatory item. You need it to dive into this cave or this opening underwater in Zora's domain, which will warp you all the way to Lake Hylia, which you might not have been to at this point. I know I hadn't uh, at the time that I, I had first played this. Um, no. At Lake Hylia, um, you can do some things now. Um, you're not really intended to, but we'll mention them. You can go fishing. Um, which you can use to get a piece of heart. Um, and also as an adult, you can use that to catch big a big fish and get the gold scale. I'll probably end up accidentally mentioning that again next recording, but whatever. Um, and you can go to Pierre the Scarecrow to teach him a song. And you better pick uh, one you can remember. I mean, you can learn it. You can go back and learn it. But I always do like a a a a a a a Yeah. I because... never understood Pierre the Scarecrow as a child. I only understand him as an... Or I only figured out his meaning when I was an adult. Is this like an existential thing? <laughs> like, like, you you really couldn't relate to him until <laughs> now. Pierre the Scarecrow. No, I think I, I did him uh, like as a kid one time, uh, like in a completionist run, ah. but then forgot. And I just kind of always as a kid forgot what Pierre the Scarecrow and his song does. <laughs> um, but yeah, now as an adult, I know. Okay. Um, but the main reason you're here at Lake Hylia is that there is a bottle with a note in it from Princess Rudo. Uh, you catch that. Um, you dive down and get it, and you take it back to King Rudo, who will allow you to go and see Jabu Jabu. Um, and he, in a very funny cutscene, even though it's annoying, uh, he takes forever to move his ass, literally. <laughs> yeah, he yes. scooches over, and it's like, wait, 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 um, to let you through. Um, and then that take, takes you to Zora's Fountain, where you see Jabu Jabu, but... Did it take you a while to figure out how to get in there? Yeah, it did. It took me to, and I, again, I didn't talk to anybody this time, any of the characters, but I'm pretty sure one of the characters just straight up freaking tells you that Jabu Jabu loves fish. And like the fish is highlighted or some shit. I, I feel like it's probably pretty obvious. It's, I'm I just, sure it is. Uh, yeah, I just as a kid, I was confused. Yeah, I, I, I was totally confused. But anyway, to get in there, you have to go catch a fish in a bottle and drop it in front of Jabu Jabu, upon which Jabu Jabu will suction you and the fish into his body. You would think he eats more than just one little fish. But... You would think. That probably wouldn't fill him up. But, no. okay. Jabu Jabu's belly. All right. Let's, you Let's, get, in. Let's get into it. Let's, Let's get it. into it. Yeah. Um, Give me, um, this is where you get the boomerang. And Remember... Yeah, remember when I said all the cool things about Dodongo's Cavern, like aesthetically, and how like, oh, it's so cool. You're gonna go there. You're like, yeah. you're gonna interact with that skull. None, none of that. None, none of it. None my, of it. My interest in Jabu Jabu's belly, even as a kid, I, mean, I was totally underwhelmed. I was excited. Any excitement that remained was purely because I just wanted to continue with the game. Yes, and get through this hellhole of a dungeon. This is the worst dungeon in the game by a mile. It is um, aesthetically. It's stupid. Well, it's not even stupid. It's confusing because yeah, everything very looks confusing. the exact same as every other room to like what nine year old me. I remember how old I was, but I was so confused by this by this dungeon. It took this took me so long to figure out what to do. I mean, knowing what to do, 
very quick to get it done. Um, but just a pain in the ass. And and to make things worse, uh, you eventually come across Rudo, Princess Rudo, this bratty ass kid who is just stubborn and you literally have to carry her around. I mean, it's it's funny, but not from a gameplay point. You know what I mean? Like it's a I think it's objectively funny. Just I mean, annoying. It's, it's not like haha funny. It's right. like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you have to use Rudo. You have to take her with you and you have to use her like as, you know, to, to put her as a weight on switches um, so you can go indoors <laughs> and stuff. And if you if you at any point she gets separated from you, you'll have to go back all the yeah. way to where you found her the first time and go get her again and then climb all the way back up. Which and, boy, will that be confusing and make you lost if yes. you're playing this as a kid? Yes, it, it's a real pain. And then when you think that's over with. You 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 enter a room and you see the Zora Sapphire ahead of you yes. and you throw Rudo up there to get it and she disappears and relief sets in. <laughs> but then and I I I I this is I want to talk about this mini boss. This Please. is like a um I don't know what what do you call it? It's not an Octorok, or is it an Octorok? Um, if it's an Octorok, it's like an enormous one. Yeah, like an, a big Octorok. Yeah, there's a, there's uh rotating spikes in the middle, so you can't. And the whole battle takes place kind of running in a circle and yeah. trying to stun the Octorok with your boomerang and then hit it in its anus. It's flashing <laughs> yeah. baboon ass. <laughs> yes. But uh, it, I still find this. Tricky. Oh, I not do too. hard, but like it's tricky. You have to. You will not catch up to it at a certain point unless you are hugging the interior. Yeah, very closely. And if you hug the interior too closely, you're gonna get you'll hit get by hit by spikes. spikes. Yeah. And I every time I do this, I'm convinced that there is an easier way to do it, and I never bother to look it up. Maybe there is. I think you can use Deku nuts, but that will stun it barely, and not enough to get you anywhere. But I don't know if there's an easier way to do this, but I think it's it's tough. That's the way I always play it. And yeah, I think for a mini boss, this is what the hardest mini boss, probably one and of the, them. And there's just adding insult to injury. This fucking boss fight this mini boss fight. It's already a terrible dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. But what? Yeah. What? What? We, we, well, we can't say really anything that hasn't already been said before, but it needed to be said. No, we get to the boss, bioelectric anemone, baronade, baronade, baronade. I I could not, as a first time I ever played this, I could not figure out how to beat this boss. I couldn't either. No, I couldn't either. It took me so long to do it, and that made me just so angry. I mean, again, it it, it wouldn't have mattered if I had figured out this boss immediately. I still would have bad memories associated with this dungeon. It's not the, the difficulty of the boss fight that that stuck with me but we'll tell I, us about it so i believe it originally or it's i don't even know how to describe it it, it is it is like an it's an anemone um but it is attached to the ceiling at first by these ten like tentacle like things it's a kind of like a stuck to the ceiling and it's not really that obvious i guess to me the way to figure it out is like if you start z targeting shit at random eventually you'll lock on to them i believe yeah. And you throw your boomerang to knock to to break all of them, which will then kind of break it loose from the ceiling. Yeah. After which, 
it will kind of chase you around and it has like jellyfish enemies that you kind of see throughout the dungeon that it will have like attached to like little like lightning ropes or something. Yeah. Um, and you want, I think you want to, you want to destroy as many of those jellyfish as you can. So as to expose the body underneath hit yes. that with your boom. And basically the whole fight is your boomerang until you stun Baronade with your boomerang. Once enough jellyfish have been destroyed, then it will collapse to the ground. You can hit it with your sword a couple times and then you um, repeat the process. And sometimes it will shoot this fucking laser. It's got these little like satellite thingies. It'll yeah. shoot these lasers at you. It shoots this black Electric. lightning that like yeah. you really actually need to dodge. This is definitely out of the first three boss fights. This is the hardest for sure. Easily. And again, it's it sucks. It's in this dungeon that sucks. If you die, you're going to have to go all the way back to the boss room. Um, yeah, this is part of the game that, uh, yeah, not my favorite. Yeah, definitely. But fortunately, it's it's over. Uh, and this uh, Princess Ruto, who has been such a see you next Tuesday before. Yeah. Now, very impressed with your feet. Uh, not your feet feet, but your feet of uh, courage. Do you think and Link has a page on wiki feet? <laughs> it's something to do after we're done recording today. Have we talked about wiki feet? You know what wiki feet I know. Is. I know about wiki feet. Good, good. Um, so Rudo comes on to you really hard uh, and gives you the Zora Sapphire with some string, strings attached. Uh, she says yeah. she's only supposed to give it to her future husband. She says, do not tell my dad. Dad is apparently very racist. <laughs> yeah link is a stand-up guy he saved his daughter but apparently he doesn't care about that yeah so at this point really all there is to do unless you want to go and do some cleanup and do like do and you know search for pieces of hard doing the things we talked about earlier like games and such um now is the time to go back to hyrule castle and what happens when you uh head towards it yeah so you now have your three spiritual stones uh which is what zelda told you you get um, you approach the castle gate and you get a cutscene that is very similar to the dream you had in the beginning of the beginning of the game. Um, Impa and Zelda are being chased on horseback by Ganondorf. However, differently than the dream, um, she throws you the Ocarina of Time. Um, tell us what the Ocarina of Time does for us. Or the Oot, as the it's oot. more commonly referred to. She throws you the Oot. Well, the Ocarina of Time is supposed to enable you to travel through time. Yes, which you do by going to the Temple of Time. Yes. Um, you go to the Temple of Time and you present the three sacred stones uh, at the door of time, which then opens, allowing you access to the sacred realm. You have to play the Song of Time oh, I'm sorry, to do yes, that. You have to play the Song of Time. Yes, um, yes. And I think, it, it, uh, is it Impa? Yeah, Impa. No. Who teaches you the Song of Time? I was just trying to think of that. Um, <laughs> Why did I forget that? I, yeah, if, or no, you don't learn the song of you don't learn the song of time yet. Do yeah, you? you do. You have you have to. Um, you that's how you open the the door. It isn't just the three medallions or the three um spiritual stones. No, I think you you have to you have to place the stones and or when you play the song of time, it like places the three stones. Mm. Yeah, I you learn the song of time at some point. I, why am I? <laughs> Why am I forgetting this? I'm blanking on it too. I thought I wrote Um, it down, but I guess I didn't. The song is taught to you by Zelda. Okay. After you retrieve the ocarina from the moat. So she does it in like a vision. She like 
okay she talks that's to you right, right. that's she what it is that, that's why yeah. i was like who physically is around yeah. to teach no, you this no song one, no one is physically around like, she, like, i knew you i knew you learned you learned it then but man yeah yeah um so um you open the door of time uh but guess what it was all a trap it was all um, a trap ganondorf slits your throat and the game ends well, he should slit your throat, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, he was waiting for you to collect the three sacred stones to open the gateway to the sacred realm so that he could seize the Triforce for himself. Yeah. Now that you have entered the, the door of time and picked up the Master Sword, you are, you just let him in. You just let him take over everything. And then Hyrule suffers for seven years because of you. And that has been part one. <laughs> I mean, really, though, this is a this is a this is the stopping point, right? This yeah. is where you transition from being a child. You were sealed away for seven years and uh, the game will pick back up when you become an adult. Yeah. And so will we. And so, and so will we. So we won't be doing the usual segments till the end of next week's episode, which we'll yes. be recording not in a week, but like, I don't know, four days weeks. after this one. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that was fun. Uh, what have you been up to, Aaron? Um, what have I been up to? I picked up Bayonetta, uh, Bayonetta one for the switch. Um, just looking for something. I've been craving a character action game. Didn't want to play devil may cry five. Um, so I picked up Bayonetta Been having a lot of fun with that. Um, Edgar and I started a new reality show that we're, uh, obsessed. Is it milf mansion or whatever that new milf show is? (laughs) No, it's obsession dark desires oh my god that it sounds people... like a like a skinamax movie <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's a reality show about people who become obsessed and then the various things that happens to them as a result you have a type of reality show because you also did the um the hoarders one you like hoarders i do like hoarders i love hoarders i love reality shows where well i'm also a behavior analyst i love extreme well, yeah. behaviors yeah <laughs> um i'm obsessed with extreme human behavior it's what i it's what i love it's what i'm interested in yeah um what about you what have you been up to i got big news morgans get it uh Ah. no big big news is that i am almost completely caught up with one piece that is i I, my so to answer your question from earlier today not only have i started wano country i'm almost done with wano country assuming that the show has finished wano which i don't think it has but i think it's almost over okay um i Um, won't say what's happening because it technically is a spoiler Sure. Um, but I am, you know, I'm in the well into the middle of the big battle, the big battle. OK, yeah. then things may have happened that we'll have to talk about after the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you exactly where we where we are. And yeah, be careful with what you tell me, because. Oh, yes. Just 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 in case. I mean, you know, it's a it's an anime. Good guys win all that kind of stuff. But anyway. Um, yeah, I, I have watched like 150 episodes of One Piece in less than a month because I, it, it is like the, the finish line was like so close. I mean, it's not even the finish line, but like being caught up is like so close. Not to mention the fact that let me just say Wano Country is excellent. It's probably my third favorite arc after like Water 7 Enos Lobby arc and then the Marineford like Impel Down Marineford arc. Um, I, I think it's very, very good, even it's though very it's slow. so long. I you know uh, Luffy spends too much time in prison. That's really where it's where it is too slow. Um, but I I thought like Act One was fantastic. Um, act Two is a little long, and Act Three is obviously like more than half a huge battle. So you know, yeah, yeah. but that is as- big news. Yeah. Um, aside from that, 
Um, really, the only like thing I watch that is of note. I don't know if you have uh, HBO Max, they but do. check out the Adult Swim Yule Log. I okay, yeah, I've seen headlines about that. Um, okay. I will have to do that. It is. I mean, I don't want to say anything about what it is, but just watch the Adult Swim Yule Log. It's a weird thing to say about like a Yule Log, but it it's it's good, not great. It, it's fun, but fun flawed but not you know well worth your time a yule log is a yule log yeah um video game wise mostly i mean mostly been playing this i I mean a lot of what i've been doing has been suffering because i have i've always been spending so much time watching one piece um but i've been playing inscription which is very fun i it's taken me a lot longer than i think the game intended it to take but i am now finally uh, there were like this game is like multiple acts, and I'm almost done with the first one. Um, it seemed like I was coming close to just beating the game, and then I realized that that's just the first part of the game. I and think I heard very that, interesting. Like, a complete run through is like nine to ten hours. Does that sound right? No, but well, I mean, well, maybe that's just why I've been playing so long. I realized that I, I, I probably was making the game harder on myself than I should have been i didn't realize i was screwing something up that i mean i think i played the game for 10 hours at this point and i'm still not even through the first act that's a lot of that is like kind of just my fault but um that's been fun and you talking about wanting like a character to play a game like bayonetta or like even considering devil may cry play near automata if you haven't i forgot if you have but like i have like that's like a hack and slash it's got some of the best music i've ever heard in a video game it's it's one of the, my favorite soundtracks of all time um it's got a fantastic story it's got a lot of different endings only three of them are like real endings other ones are usually joke endings okay. um would highly recommend it play it on switch if you don't if you want to play it handheld i hear it looks beautiful on switch i hear even though it was you know not intended to be on switch it runs very well um, you can play it with the Hori grips, and I probably would because there was a lot of hacking and slashing, a lot of button pushing, which is what's like the, the only. Hmm. What's the over under on uh, how long to beat? Um, harder for me to say because I was a completionist about it, but I would say it's probably a thirty hour game. Okay, it's not. It's not. It's not that bad. I mean, it's not as long as like your standard JRPG. Yeah, and you can do. There's a lot that you can do quickly. Okay, so I'll, that I will have to. Add that it's to one. It's, it's one. It's one of my favorite games. Um, I mean, there are there are certain certainly some flaws. I mean, I'd probably say it's a top fifteen to twenty game for me. Dang. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And yeah, Christmas on Switch is now. Up. It yeah, sure is. I can add I, it to the list. I, I I asked for it for Christmas, even though I already played it and beat it and platinumed it for PlayStation Four. I just oh, was God. like, this this is a really I love this game very much, and it would be awesome to play it handheld. So. Maybe one day for the show. Yeah, I would love that. That would be a possible nightmare to outline. (laughs) uh, And you'll see why if you play it. So. um, Oh, boy. You know who uh, uh, you know who loves that Christmas season? We really got to find a a more organic way to integrate this. And I can't believe that we fucked that up, given that it's almost Christmas. Uh, I know. I know. The Grinch, everyone. (laughs) 